Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. We're continuing to be to do this virtually and excited to have my next guest, Augusto Canero, who's founder of uh, Noso Familia Coffee. Uh, Gusto, thanks for being on. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. I wish I was in your shop right now, having a coffee. <laughs> I wish all, we were there too. <laughs> we're, all, we're all at home. So yeah. um, I would love, you know, I always love to have folks start. Can you just give us a little overview for the folks who don't know the, the origin story of Noso Familia and how you started it? love for you just to, to give a little overview of that. Great. And I'll, I'll do my best to be uh, brief here since we're uh, hitting our, our 16th year already. Um, yeah, I moved up from Brazil in 96 to go to the University of Portland. I grew up in Rio, uh, but my uh, mom's side of the family were farmers, uh, are farmers, and they started planting coffee in the 1890s. So it had wow. this long uh, tradition of coffee in the family. And I came up to study engineering. I was following more of my dad's footsteps as an engineering professor uh, in Rio. And um, graduated with a mechanical engineering degree, uh, met my lovely wife in college. And so instead of going back to Brazil, I stayed here and uh, got a job right out of college and, and got life started. Had a you know, babies early on. Um, and this was 2001 that I graduated. But then by 2003, I was really sick of the engineering job and uh, looking at alternatives for what I could do that would be more more fulfilling. And I started talking to my older sister who had this idea of importing coffee. And at first I thought she was crazy. I had zero background in business. Okay. And and, and at first I thought she was crazy and it was going to be something she was going to do and I was going to you know continue on with a long, prosperous engineering career. And, uh, but man, it, it, I just couldn't do it. My brain's not set up for it. My personality is not set up mm. for engineering. And so uh, we exchanged some ideas, uh, the, the two of us. And then I uh, was visiting Brazil and my, one of my cousins had started an export company and he had started uh, a roastery in Brazil. So uh, he, he gave me a box of 70 pounds of coffee, roasted coffee for me to bring to Portland, uh, essentially in our, our first set of samples. And I came back and I had a lot of fun with it, just giving coffee away to friends and neighbors and then people uh, wanting to give me money for it, which was really <laughs> awkward in the beginning. Like okay. I, I had this aversion of taking people's uh, money, which is not a good sign if you're going to start a business. <laughs> uh, but, you know, because it was for my family's farm, we're used to just being very, very generous with that. Um, and so in the early days, I found a, uh, a business partner that was more uh, sensible uh, with money and uh, uh, Jason Lesh, and we started the business together. Uh, we registered in 2004. 
Okay. August of 2004, we opened our uh, U.S. bank account and we each uh, invested $400 to open the bank account. Uh, and that paid for the business registration and for the, the next like, uh, FedEx shipment of coffee. Wow. So it's, yeah, you said about 16 years. So when you started this coffee business, uh, you're in Portland, as you know, there's, a, there's no shortage of coffee places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how was that community of just, you know, I can imagine that it's, it's pretty embracing, but still pretty fierce. So what was kind of your thoughts going in? Uh, yeah, there was nothing embracing about it uh, okay. in the beginning <laughs> with the competition. Uh, and, and there were few coffee roasters then. There, there was mm. probably only 25 or so okay. uh, to 30 back then. Now there's over 60 coffee brands in Portland. It's, it's yeah. uh, crazy competitive. But I think it's a little bit more of a community than, than it used to be. Um, when we started uh, uh, Stumptown, were, they were in their heyday. They were... Uh, dominating uh, the market and uh, you know they were doing a great job uh, and so it forced us to be better at what we were doing uh, better storytellers and what we had going for us was this direct vertical integration to the farm which uh, the people that were embracing were customers that got to meet us and taste the coffee right so our marketing story was uh, uh, taste the coffee tell the story so uh, I, I would go to a bunch of uh, events I'm a I love cycling, and okay. so we started sponsoring a bunch of community bike rides, bike races, uh, anything to do with cycling. And, and so that community uh, uh, really uh, brought us on uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, businesses, other businesses that, that cared, like New Seasons started carrying us. That was mm-hmm. a big win. And then we were able to get uh, with the Bon Appetit Catering Company. They, yeah. they do a food service for like you know, Intel, university campuses. So a few early wins uh, there. Um, and at the time we were still, the very early days, we we're still roasting the coffee in Brazil and having it FedExed up, which, uh, we did that for about only about a year and a half. And yeah, it was, that sounds uh, expensive. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just disheartening that we were paying more to DHL and FedEx than we were to my, uh, cousin who was doing all the hard work of growing and roasting right. the coffee. Right. Uh, so then we partnered with a local roaster here, um, uh, that used to be called the uh, Kobos Coffee. Uh, mm-hmm. uh David mm-hmm. Kobos was a, a pioneer here, started in 73. Um, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Uh, before then, he sold his company to uh, Groundworks, which is a company that moved up from LA. So, anyways, for many years, they roasted coffee for us. And so, we were essentially an importer of my family's coffee. Okay. And then uh, we did marketing and distribution. Um, but they were doing the roasting. Mm-hmm. And that was until 2012. Uh, at the end of 2011, we, you know, we, I, I took a bigger risk and we rented a bigger space. Uh, the economy still wasn't doing that well, so we were able to get a pretty good deal in the Pearl District okay. at 13th and Johnson. Yeah, And that was definitely uh, uh, a NASA Familia 2.0. Uh, we, we bought a, a really awesome roasting, uh, roasting equipment. Uh, we hired some, uh, some, uh, some of my coffee pros, which I affectionately call our coffee geeks. <laughs> and... Um, and we got we got going, and being in the pro is great because it's uh, high foot traffic, uh, great location for events. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's the year that we really uh, kind of became better known in Portland, yeah. and we went from a team of uh, uh, I don't know six or seven before we moved in to 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 twelve, and then and then uh, twenty once we opened the the cafe there, yeah. uh, and that was a big big evolution for us. Great. And yeah, I, I mean, I love your coffee. Your, your brother-in-law, Blake, is, uh, you know, a, a friend and partner of our my business. And he, he 
force it gives me some free coffee for you. So mm-hmm. I love it. But, and is it still the, the same? Is it still a family, you know, farm you're sourcing the beans from? Is that? Uh, yes. And so mm-hmm. we, as we started roasting more coffee uh, and going to more uh, events, we started meeting other really great people in other countries. Mm-hmm. And coffee is a lot like wine. There's different terroir and different uh, flavor profiles in different countries. And so we got intrigued by that. And, and so we started uh, buying a bunch of coffee from Guatemala, mm-hmm. some from Nicaragua, some from Peru. And, and really the way it worked, it wasn't because I said, let's go to Guatemala. It was more somehow the universe connected us with these awesome people from Guatemala that we met and we saw that our philosophies matched. Um, and, uh, and so it made sense to do business with them. I, I dislike uh, when marketing stretches the truth. And so I, I struggled a little bit with the name, right? Nossa Familia means our family. And I'm like, well, if we're buying coffee from these other farms, what is it still true to the brand? And so then, you know, the concept of urban family was coming, uh, uh, becoming more popular. And I realized it's really about a feeling and how you treat people uh, with uh, respect. And, and it's a, a long-term partnership. So everybody we buy coffee from, that's not blood family. We have a uh, true authentic relationship with. We visit them uh, almost every year, sometimes twice a year. Mm. Um, so we started doing these uh, coffee tours to Guatemala. So every mm. year in January, we take two groups of people to go to Guatemala. And are, and these groups, coffee are, are these groups of people just people that sign up or friends and family? Or who, who are these folks that you bring down? Yeah, you need, you need the secret code for the society. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we advertise it on our website. So we do want to take uh, our regular customers. You know, it could be somebody who just enjoys an espresso or latte at our coffee shop. Primarily, uh, when it started, it was to take our wholesale customers. So, you know, uh, the, the decision makers from New Seasons or Bon Appetit or the owners of coffee shops uh, to get that vertical integration connection. Right. Uh, and then also to take our baristas because I realized we have a lot of people that are awesome coffee professionals. They've worked in coffee for 10, 15 years, but they've never seen a coffee farm. So it was really rewarding when uh, one of my employees who started with us in the farmer's market, then became a barista, then now he's, he's our main roaster. Uh, he never had a passport even, so we helped him get his first passport, and now he's gone to Guatemala three times. Um, awesome. So it's, it's been really great to open up opportunities for people. Yeah, and I, you know, I, not to, to geek out about coffee too much, but you know, I think a lot of folks don't know how it's sourced and that, you know, the, the family farms involved. So I think that part of it is, is huge, especially in a town like Portland, where people want to know the supply chain. They, they you know, it's like that Portland yeah, episode. It, it's like, where'd that, where'd that uh, ch- chicken from? What was his name? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, here's the folder. I had a good life. Yeah, coffee is extremely complex. Uh, so if you've ever gone to a winery uh, during harvest and you talk to them about their process, uh, Coffee is similar, except all the processing we do is before it becomes a liquid, right? So the, the harvest, the drying, the, there's a lot that goes into it. So most people come back uh, and they're, they're just mind boggled of how it can be so cheap at, you know, 12 to $15 a pound. Like the, it, 12 to $15 a pound, some people sounds really expensive, but once they go right. and they see that you're picking cherry by cherry, um, it's, Yeah. Exactly. And, and now kind of shifting to more of, you know, someone, the person that owns a business and runs a business, how's that been for you the past 16 years? I'm sure you started it, like you said, you're engineering, you know, student and job and kind of you know, got into this. 
how's your evolution as a business person, uh, you know, kind of been? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, excellent and a roller coaster. Um, it's it's uh, I, I say you know I've gotten my street MBA. Um, the the super rewarding parts are the learning involved. You know, every day is is different, mm-hmm. and um, you know I now know like three to four different types of law, for example, <laughs> because you have to learn about employment law so you don't mess up. You have to right. learn about copyright and mm-hmm. trademark. Uh, you have to learn about import export. You know, I have a degree in finance now, uh, and uh, you know, so I can actually talk to bankers now. Yeah. Uh, uh, marketing, uh, logistics. I can roast coffee. I can do a little bit of latte art. So <laughs> the amount of learning is endless, yeah. and so that that's really good. Um, and then uh, the the people you meet as well. So not only the farmers that we have relationships with, uh, but then the employees. You know. Now we're a team of 45. Actually, we'll get to that. We're not a team of 45 anymore as mm-hmm. of two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we've, we've grown. So we, we touch the lives of a lot of people, and that's yeah. really excellent. Yeah, I mean, coffee is so personal uh, to, to me, I think, again, and here in the community, because it's the people you see every day. You're going to get a coffee. So let's, let's kind of skip ahead and get to that point. You know, how is your business doing? What are some of the tough decisions you've had to make in light of this, you know, COVID-19 uh, disruption right now? It's been a crazy two weeks. I, you know, we had never done layoffs before. Um, the the pace of change. Uh, and so we're, we're essentially two different businesses because we have four cafes and we have wholesale. Mm-hmm. And then within wholesale, we'll sell to different, uh, different types of customers, right? So we have like the, the restaurant and cafe owners and that business is pretty much gone. It used to be about 40% of our revenue uh, as of this last week. It's pretty much all gone. And then we do grocery store. Grocery store this month is going to be up from average because mm. everybody's flocking to the grocery store, stocking up. Uh, and then we sell online as well. Online, we're seeing online activity like we did for Cyber, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And are you doing extra uh, promotions around around that? or We are, and we'll talk more about that because that's yeah. what's going to keep the business alive in the next two months. Um, and then on the cafe side, we were doing our best to balance protecting our staff and then protecting the public uh, and, and staying open and alive. And so what I started doing is talking to all our baristas and getting a gauge, you know, what are you most worried about? And because most of our barista population is pretty young, almost everybody's under 30, uh, everybody was like, they want their job. It was job security. So I said, okay, we're going to keep open as long as we can so we can keep providing jobs. Uh, and then as things started slowing down, we started cutting hours. Uh, then my HR person, we started, uh, she started researching all the unemployment laws, work share. How can we do uh, uh, layoffs in a way that will be um, where the employee can still pay their, their bills? Uh, and then when the governor passed the order to shut everything down, uh, we could have stayed open because uh, as a to-go business, uh, but at that point, I, we thought business was going to be really slow, so there wasn't going to be any point in it. And and then we thought we want to participate in what the community effort is doing right now with shutting down and staying home and not anticipating this. Um, and also uh, protect the, the barista so they can go home and, and not, not right. be exposed. So we shut down. So, you know, we, we laid off about 22 people out of the 45. A few were furloughed. And then everybody on the wholesale side is, is, is taking a minimum of about a 40% uh, 
pay cut mm. and we're applying for the work share program. So hopefully they can, uh, the idea is to keep their, um, wages similar as possible to normal. And how's that, that work share? I just saw something on Twitter today where a business owner was like, I just, it's impossible to get it through to the work share program because of how flooded it is. Uh, have you found success with that? And, and for people that don't know uh, about what that, what work share is, I don't know if you can uh, give a little overview too. Yeah. So work share is if you have a reduction in hour between uh, 20 and 40%, you can get part of that made up by the unemployment fund. If it's under 50%, then you, um, then you have to file for unemployment. And people can file for unemployment with a reduction of hours. They don't have to be laid off uh, uh, fully. Uh, it's, it's pretty complex. Um, we applied, um, you know, I'm part of the entrepreneur organization uh, here in Portland, mm -hmm. and there's been a tremendous amount of support and help from them and a lot of the 130 of us business owners exchanging. I mean, there's like 15 webinars a day. It's overwhelming. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to pay attention to the, the most important uh, aspects. And so, um, yeah, there's so much going on. I even lost my track. Yeah, of, no, of, I mean, uh, there thought. is, but I think that's a good thing you bring up in, about EO and just Portland is there is an outpouring of support for small businesses here and what folks can do to help. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? And, and also just, you know, like these, the stimulus program that hopefully passes, uh, today, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's March 27th and just other things in Portland, you see developing these small, uh, business relief funds. So I would love for you to just get into that as well. Yeah. So, you know, Portland itself is an awesome city for makers, right? So I think that's why Nossa Familia has done so well here. I think people see how authentic uh, we are the, from the connection to the farm, the vertical integration. So the, the global aspect of Portland, it's just a great community. Mm -hmm. And then within Portland, the two communities that we're very involved in are the B Corp community. So these are companies that are uh, um, using business as a force for good, uh, both uh, economically and environmentally, uh, and in many other ways. So there's a strong B Corp community that's helping uh, each other out. And then the other part that I'm really involved in is with the uh, um, uh, uh, EO, which is the Entrepreneur Organization. It's a global organization, and so there's a lot of local support, and I can call anybody up and they'll, you know, there's, there's a, a, a strict confidentiality, so if we can share ideas and learnings with people and know that, you know, the, uh, that information is, is protected. So, so we can be vulnerable with each other uh, quite a bit. And the other amazing thing is it is an international organization. So yesterday they set up a call with uh, three members in China. Mm. And the idea was, let's look, let's peek into the future. What are things going to be economically two weeks from now? Uh, sorry, two months from now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that call was yesterday and it was super valuable to learn some of the things they were saying. Do share. <laughs> um, I know you might not be able to based uh, on the uh, confidentiality, but yeah, in, no, in but, but this, uh, yeah, so this is general. I'm not going to, you know, share anybody as businesses yeah. and, and, and they were sell, sell, sharing in generalities as well. And this is for the good of humanity at this yeah. point. Right. Um, so some of the things that came to mind, uh, one, things are starting to come back for, uh, for them, which is great news, but it has taken two months. So it's not fast. Uh, the reason it's starting to come back from them is because they behaved and they behaved because China is super strict and they can be very strict. And yeah. so they yeah. were really telling people, follow the authorities, 
hopefully the authorities in the U.S. are as sensible as they were uh, in China. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but really, uh, uh, they really have to be super strict uh, to, to fight this thing. And so that, that really helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a personal take from one of the uh, women was um, who has three boys. She's working from home. She's like, you know, it took me a couple of weeks, but then I started enjoying time with the family and this new normal. And, and just trying to make the most of it personally. And the other guy on the call was like, uh, from China, he's like, oh shit, I've been here like complaining for eight weeks. I <laughs> yeah. like, this is, you know, I wish I had uh, talked to you earlier about this. So, you know, as humans, we have to make the best of every situation. Uh, it's super tough for some people right there, right? There's like mm-hmm. 3 million unemployment claims mm-hmm. um, where we had to, all the steps we're taking is to make sure that we survive and we can bounce back in three three months. So we're talking to our bank about uh, extending our, our loans. We're talking to all our landlords about pausing and extending our leases. So not asking for any freebies, but I'm saying there's zero business now. Can we pause? Can you ask your bank to pause? I know you've got a mortgage to pay, uh, but you know, can we go interest on your something? How can we work together so that we can really pause? fight the virus and then come back and, and full force. And have you found people being open to that? I mean, as far as in your situation or? Uh, um, mostly. Yeah. So uh, our bankers have been great uh, so far. Uh, actually, I just missed a call from him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, we've met with one of uh, our landlords. We have three landlords, uh, uh, one for each, uh, uh, two for the retail locations and then one for uh, the building. Okay. And, on the retail side, I think landlords are getting it quicker because they see it's there's zero revenue right now. The business yeah. is shut down. We can't uh, do anything. And so I think they're, they're seeing it uh, quicker. On the wholesale side, we're still operating. So it's a little bit more of a, of a wait and see. So in March, because we had about half of a normal month, we're, we're going to have about 70%, 75% of normal revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we're working with the banker and the landlord to see what we can do for um, May rent. So we're going to keep an eye out on April, see how April goes. And then um, we're also keeping an eye out for all the, the disaster funding. Mm-hmm. And up to now, I've been assuming that I have to cut all the expenses and I can't depend on the government because the government's going to save Boeing and Delta and American Airlines, uh, as they probably should. Uh, but I'm not expecting much for us employers that employ between 50 to 500 people. Um, so I, I heard from some friends today uh, that there, some of the uh, items out there might help us with, with some of the loan relief uh, for payroll. Um, so we might be able to hire people back quicker. Okay. That would be amazing. So, you know, we're, we're going to come out of this. And what do you think? At, at some point, you know, it's, it, we're going to start, you know, going to coffee shops again, going to restaurants, getting back into it. I mean, what are some of the things you, you're hopeful that maybe as, as business owners you can take from this, but just as, you know, as a community here? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that the sense of community lasts uh, long. Um, I, I can't wait to have a hug-a-thon, you know, yeah. just uh, <laughs> uh, come for coffee and a hug. It, that might be a year from now. Who, who knows, yeah. right? Because uh, this thing is probably, that's the other thing that people in China said, 
this thing will stick around for a while. There will be uh, cures and things that will help with the symptoms, uh, but it's, it, there's going to be another wave. And so how, how to keep it, how to mitigate it in a way that the hospital systems aren't overwhelmed. Right. Right. Um, but I, it's, it's, I think forcing creativity as well. Uh, in the past, I've had such a hard time sitting down with my CEO and he's trying to get me to accept like some, some cost mitigation and monitoring margins. And now we're like, slash, slash, <laughs> like cut everything. It was, it was because it's survival, right? Survival. Yeah. Um, and then uh, creativity, we've, we're really having to get creative. We're creating these uh, uh, care packages. Uh, so the food industry is getting really hurt, or sorry, the, the restaurant industry is getting really hurt. Groceries aren't yet. Uh, but there's a lot of businesses that are still doing okay. So we're reaching out to corporate business and saying, hey, do you have staff working from home? Uh, how would you like to send them a coffee care package? You know, it's a double whammy. You'll help us keep our staff employed and roasting and you keep your staff happy and, yeah. and you tell them that you care. So that. Um, on our website, you know, we sell coffee online. We're having people reach out to us if they want to do a special, a special package and send coffee out. Want us to ship coffee out to 30 or 300 people. Um, we're, it's not live yet, but we're, uh, talking internally about setting up a virtual tip jar for baristas, um, so that we can distribute, uh, some money to baristas that are, you know, they've gone from a few hundred dollars uh, a week plus tips to maybe 150 a week. Like there's no way you can pay rent for $600 a month and food and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to be setting up, uh, some sort of virtual tip jar. We've, uh, created a, a care package internally as well that we're going to be distributing uh, 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 this week. Uh, sorry, this weekend or or on Monday. Uh, we've done some trades for food items okay. and, and basic items with our wholesale customers. We've purchased some uh, wholesale prices, and so we're we're delivering that to all our laid off uh, staff. I love that. I mean, as a, as a, a business owner, as a founder. I think that your group is pretty uniquely positioned to deal with uncertainty probably. And that's a lot of what's going on now. So it, uh, <laughs> that resilience piece and just operating uncertainty, maybe you have a, a high threshold for that. Uh, do you see it that way or? It still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, everybody, I mean, yes. Uh, uh, this morning I woke up at uh, 4.30 and I couldn't go back to sleep. And it was the the first like truly uh, lost uh, state just because your mind starts going a right. hundred miles an hour. It's also as a business owner, it's been two weeks of craziness and I haven't really been able to enjoy my kids yet. Like mm-hmm. most people are working from home, but like it's nonstop. So I'm like, okay, like we've done all the hard stuff. Is it going to slow down today? And I always think the next day it's going to be a little bit slower and we'll get to, uh, Take, take a, a breather, start organizing the garage. You know, people are doing all these things uh, right. to get their life in order. I'm like, uh, there's been zero chance for me and I think other business owners to, to even think about that mm-hmm. yet. Uh, next week, it's going to be, you know, looking at these disaster loans and that's usually 30 pages of applications. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope to take a breath here soon. What's your, not to, you know, too much crystal ball this situation, but what's your prediction as far as uh, at least of the effects on your industry when do you think we're going to start seeing things? I know, you, you know, you're not a doctor, so we'll leave uh-huh. the medical part alone, but just, yeah. you know, get your thoughts on that. Um, well, I, I can tell you what we're, I'm hoping to do. So, so one, we're, we're definitely going to follow the stay at home orders and there's uh, probably, there's very little chance that we would open any of our cafes beforehand. Uh, so yesterday I was thinking, okay, like, do we set up a drive through 
None of our locations are conducive to that. But like, huh, what about our walkthrough? One of our cafes is two doors. Maybe we can set up a walkthrough cafe mm. and, and figure out a, a touchless, you know, pay system. Uh, so that could be coming up within a month, you know. Okay. Um, also, getting up and running with cafes, it's not going to be super easy. So we're likely, I just had the thought yesterday, we'll likely stagger them by a week to see how things are doing, how the public is responding. Um, I, I imagine grocery stores and online orders are going to stay strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on what I heard from, from China, I, I imagine it's going to be two very slow months, April and May. And hopefully by the end of May, we start coming back. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we'll see again, it's that uncertainty. So, um, mm-hmm. it's so really day by day. It really is. And it's just, it's hard. I'm the kind of person and I'm probably like you, it's just, I want to go. I want to be out. It is extremely hard for me to be home. I love my kids and get to spend some time with them, but it is really hard. So yeah. it's just that uh, kind of psychological effect as well is, is important to, to recognize. Uh, yeah, I, I know I, I get my uh, sanity through exercise. And so I have biked to the office a couple of times and, you know, I'm being extra safe. So mm-hmm. there's less risk for me to add to the, any burden at the hospital um, with accidents. Um, I've, uh, I, I was really sad that the city locked up the tennis courts. I, I play a lot of tennis oh, and I'm like, that feels like a pretty safe sport. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, but you know, getting out on walks with the dog and, and, uh, yeah, staying active somehow. Yeah. Well, Gusta, thanks so much for, for coming on. And one last, you know, kind of question I'd like to ask is, you know, when we get through this, what, what's kind of next for your business and what are some plans you can share as far as growth or just things different you want to do differently? Uh, uh, if you can share that, I would, I think we'd love to talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to wrap my mind around cause like two, exactly two weeks ago, I could have told you our yeah. vision for the year, our, mm-hmm. our five year target. Uh, so let's assume, you know, this was normal times, uh, or let's, let's assume we're going to get back to normal times like you one of next year. Um, we, we, we want to keep doing a lot within the B Corp world and using business as a, as a force for good. So that's going to figure out how we can keep paying our, uh, our employees and offering better benefits to, to people that, that need it more. And then working with the farmers that we work with to, um, uh, you know, visiting them and helping buy more coffee for them because that's how we, we help them. As far as cafes, we have Four now, one in LA, three here. Our, our vision is to have uh, uh, seven or eight, and we'd like to do one internationally, uh, likely under a licensing or partnership with, with somebody else. And I don't even remember the other things we were aiming to do because <laughs> two weeks have been crazy. Right. But I'd love to be back in uh, a few months or a year, and then I'll share with you a, a more uh, a precise and thought out plan. That sounds like a plan. Maybe we can talk over a coffee. <laughs> All right. All right, Augusto. Well, thanks so much for, for uh, taking some time to be on the podcast. Yeah, and uh, a quick uh, plug. Do look up nasacoffee.com for care packages for you and staff and friends, or if you know somebody who's you know works in the medical system. And um, uh, if you look at our website, we're hopefully going to have a virtual tip jar, something set up for our baristas as well. Awesome. And stay healthy, everyone. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. 
You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 